is Thursday, December 22nd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 16 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, Jared Smolin. And Jared, we're going to have a weather-soaked, a weather-covered episode of the podcast. And just before coming down here to start recording, I found out that I'm going to have three kids home from school with me tomorrow because the impending snow is affecting us as well. They're just like, ah, I'm not dealing with it. You guys can keep them. Yeah, I don't know about you. I've turned into a uh, part-time meteorologist this week. So, you know, this show is going to be like 80% football, 20% weather. It'll be fun. (laughs) I always try not to try not to count the weather too much when I'm projecting guys. And it's probably to a fault in some cases, because it certainly makes it more difficult to throw the ball. The concern is always that you overrate it and you miss out on a solid to good day from a quarterback who's been delivering for you all season. But we'll talk about specifics with each quarterback as we get to games that we expect to be affected. And we start with the Thursday nighter, which uh, it doesn't sound like it's snow. It sounds like it's it's rain more for Jacksonville at the Jets. Thursday night, Jets by two as of the last time I looked over under 37 and a half. So that game total tells you something about what to expect here. And at the same time, it's low, but there are actually four lower game <laughs> totals this week, along with two yeah. others that are within one point above. So 37 and a half would normally be like the lowest of the week. This week, it's one of the low ones. Yeah. And just going back to the general point about weather, I mean, you're right. I think some people do overrate it. We, we know, though, that wind is the thing to be worried about. And we talk about these totals. I think that's a good thing to look at for you know how much we should let the weather impact our decision. I mean, you know, this game would not have a 37 point over under if it was being played in you know pristine conditions so yeah this one i mean it's it's temperatures in the mid 40s which is you know balmy for this week but rain potentially heavy rain and then the winds here 15 to 20 mile per hour sustained winds with 30 to 35 mile per hour gusts that is enough wind to i think you know consider it likely that you know the passing games are going to be impacted here yeah. And we've been seeing Trevor Lawrence's passing yards come down all week. We were already over to begin with, and the Vegas line has just dipped and dipped and dipped. The last I saw was 214 and a half. I don't know if it's even come down from that, but that's that's pretty low. It is, yeah. And um, but you know, if you're listening to this live, we have not updated our projections yet for this game because of the weather. I'm gonna do that right when we get off here. Um and we'll have to talk exactly where Lawrence is gonna fall. I think he's gonna fall in our projections, fall in our rankings. I mean, the weather is a concern, even beyond that. I mean, this is a tough spot for Lawrence. And the guy has been awesome for you know the better part of the past couple months now. But you know, weather, short week on the road against the Jets defense, fourth in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks, their seventh in football outsiders pass defense, DBOA. I mean, I think it's a tougher matchup than Lawrence even saw last week against Dallas. So I mean, the fact that he's been so good is why he's still an option. He's a very fringy quarterback one this week, and there are, I think, a, a lot of even guys that might be available on your waiver wire that you could pick up that I'd rather play over Lawrence right now. And because he played through it last week and played well, it's easy to overlook that he's playing hurt. I mean, he's officially questionable for this game. Yeah. We're assuming he's going to play. We're treating it as, as though he's going to play. But the fact that he's questionable at least shows that he's still dealing with something that's limiting him. So my... You know, my initial reaction, my gut reaction is I'm a little bit scared to sit Trevor Lawrence versus the other guys that are around him in the rankings, but all the factors coming together, it's probably the right choice if you have somebody else in that QB like 10 to 14 range. Daniel Jones versus Trevor Lawrence is the one that I'm specifically going to be facing and the one where I'm like, ah, can I really sit Trevor Lawrence right now with how he's playing for Daniel Jones? I think Jones is probably going to end up being the smarter play. Yeah, something like Lawrence has made more challenging because there are a lot of quarterbacks in 
crappy positions this week. There's not a ton of guys you can feel good about. I, I would play Daniel Jones over Trevor Lawrence. We can get more into into Jones when we get to that game. Um, but I think you know his his rushing makes him a, a safe-ish bet. And you know he's a game that we don't have to worry about weather, which I think is you know going to be something I, I'm going to be looking for this week when in, in these close calls they take the guy where we don't have to worry about the weather. Yeah. So along with Trevor Lawrence goes his receivers, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, like you said, have not been adjusted down for the weather yet. Expect them to be lower than they currently sit, which is mid wide receiver two territory. Yeah. And I think it's same with their quarterback. If it's close, I'd probably lean toward guys in better spots this week. I think so. Yeah. I mean, both these guys have relatively low average depth of targets, and I think they both can win in the short area of the field. And that's what we're going to see tonight when the Jags do take to the air. Um, you know, they've, Jones and Kirk have both just seen such strong volume that you know, I think it keeps them in play. Um, they are going to drop in the rankings. They're, they're probably not going to drop out of, you know, wide receiver three range. I think they're still in play, but yeah, they're not, they're not must starts that you might think, um, you know, Zay Jones, especially how good he's been, even Christian Kirk, like he hasn't had the big games lately, but he's still been getting steady volume. And I do think he's still probably a good bet for, you know, seven, eight targets tonight. And he gets the better individual matchup. There's not a truly weak spot among Jets corners so far, but yeah. the weakest of the top three is in the slot. So it's a decent spot for him. I think they'll both be okay for PPR. I think once you get out of full PPR, it gets even a little bit more attractive to look away from these guys. Cause yeah. the further you get from full point PPR, the more, the lower the floor goes and the more you're chasing ceiling. I think there's going to be a lot more touchdown upside to plenty of other wideouts. I agree. I think you're starting, you know, you're starting Kirk and, and, and Jones and PPR for the catch totals. I don't think you're going to get, you know, big yardage totals. And I don't think either guy's a great touchdown bet tonight. Right. Evan Ingram, similarly, not a great spot for him. The jets have been positive as a scoring matchup against tight ends, as opposed to negative versus every other position. So that helps, but Evan Ingram's probably going to dip at least a spot in our rankings after this. Yeah, he will. Um, you know, 6.6 yard a dot for Ingram this season, which, you know, usually we'd consider a bad thing, but in, in a game like this, you know, I think that might, help him relative to these other guys where, you know, he, he might be featured a bit more, you know, target share wise, um, Ingram, obviously, you know, seven, 15 and 10 targets over the last three games. And, um, you know, the, the Jets aren't a horrible, they're, they're tougher against wideouts than tight end. So I, there's, you know, reasons to think that Ingram might be, you know, a focal point of the Jags passing game tonight. Yeah, if we were getting a good weather game here, I'd be like, oh, this could be a nice spot for Evan Ingram. But that's kind of the the last point that, that takes him from being maybe this is an upside spot because of all of the matchups to uh, it, it hurts him less than it hurts his teammates. Exactly. Yep. Travis Etienne on this offense has been a sticking point for us in the rankings, but mostly behind the scenes for weeks now, it feels like. <laughs> Um, the Jets come into this one as one of the toughest matchups for running back scoring on the year. Sixth and overall defensive DVOA, sixth against the pass, seventh against the run. They should get Quinn and Williams back, their defensive tackle. They were still strong in run defense last week, even without him, though. A strong DVOA rating in that game. So it gets even better with their top run defender back up front. It's a bad matchup for ETN. It already knocks him down our rankings. He's 19th among running backs in our PPR rankings right now. And our projection is right in line with his market number. I'm still sitting him for a couple other guys behind him in our rankings that we'll get to later in the show. Yeah, you know, undoubtedly a bad matchup for ETN. Um, he, he's a volume play. You know, he has 73-plus percent of the Jags' offensive snaps in seven straight healthy games. He's averaging 18 carries per game since James Robinson – was uh, dealt away, and um, yeah, and, and if we do expect Jacksonville to throw it less tonight, that means they're going to run it more. Um, I, I just think ETN is a good bet for 20 or so touches tonight, which, you know, is not easy to find at running back nowadays. 
I don't think he's a good bet. I think 20 touches is within reach, but I would say I would expect more like 15, 16 carries in a game where they're going to have trouble running. And I don't think there's going to be good efficiency. So rather than chase his inefficient floor, uh, I'm going to chase the ceiling of at least one other running back that we were specifically clashing on well ahead of this show, but I'll leave until we get to their game. Fair enough. On the Jets side, Garrett Wilson's the primary guy we're looking at. He's affected by the weather as well, yeah. so we'll see exactly where he lands. Do you already have kind of an idea of where Garrett Wilson will land for you? Well, right now, you know, pre-adjustments, he, he's right behind the two Jags wide receivers, so I would think he's going to kind of you know, stay there. I, I think he's going to drop into the mid-20s in our rankings. Um, he did see a 26% target share last week from Zach Wilson. You know, that's that plus his talent is kind of what's carrying him. Other than that, you know, the quarterback play is an issue and the weather is obviously an issue. Yeah. Thank goodness that um, Zach Wilson at least figured that part of it out while he was sitting out. <laughs> yeah. Corey Davis is back this week too, though. So, I mean, that adds more target competition. Like, you know, you can't bank on that type of target share for Wilson. Hopefully he gets it, but it's not a given. Yeah. Garrett Wilson's definitely not a must play. He would be somebody that's a little bit, a little bit scary to sit, but it definitely depends on your specific options. Bam Knight, And that's how he's listed on the jets website is questionable for this game with an ankle issue, despite being listed only Wednesday and then as a full participant. So I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. It at least means that he's somewhere less than 100%. I can't get excited about him here. There are certainly running backs that I would play him over that I wouldn't have guessed early in the season, Mm-hmm. but I, I, I can't point to him as an, a true upside play in this game. No, I, I don't think there's upside in this game really just because of the weather, because the Jets offense tonight. Now the matchup is good for Bam, obviously the Jags 21st and adjusted points allowed to running backs. They're 23rd in football outsiders run defense DVOA over the last five weeks. Um, and it, do, it does seem like the, the ankle is not a, a significant issue. I think, you know, like barring a barring a setback during the game tonight, that Bam Knight should be the lead ball carrier. He, you know, I think should be in the 15 carry range in, in what's going to be a run heavy game plan from the Jets. So, you know, that, that's kind of what's what's working in his favor, but definitely not excited about the upside. Yeah. And Zach Wilson's not generally great for running back targets. So we don't want to give a boost in that range. So, you know, somebody that you can use, somebody that you don't definitely don't need to use. Um, and I'll assume that he's going to be active, thus making Michael Carter irrelevant. Yes, agreed. Anything else from that game? Nope. Houston at Tennessee on Saturday afternoon, which is when the main slate is taking place this week. Titans by three in this game, over under 35 and a half. The only thing we know for sure about this game, Jared, is that Derrick Henry is going over yeah. 210 rushing yards. Yeah, this game has a 35.5 over under, and there, there aren't really weather concerns. It, it's going to be cold, but there's like no wind to worry about. This is just too... Bad offenses, you know, now with, now with uh, Malik Willis piloting the Titans offense. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's really Henry, right? Um, I, I think on the, on the Texan side, Chris Moore was, was going to be an option, but it looks like Brandon Cooks might play now. He was listed as a full participant on Wednesday. So, I, I mean, maybe they just sit him still because he's had issues with the team, but um, it seems like he's healthy enough to play. And if he does, um, that, that makes Chris Moore, you know, a much, much less safe target bet. Yeah, I agree. If we get no Brandon Cooks, I think Chris Moore is okay in wide receiver three range. But if Brandon Cooks is back, both of them are outside the top 36 for me. Yep, agreed. Malik Willis, of course, is expected to start at QB for Tennessee. He did in the first meeting with Houston as well, went six of 10 passing, (laughs) then started the next game and went five of 16 against Kansas City. So in an offense where you already don't want to start pass catchers, this was bad news for Chigakonko and anybody else who you might have been hoping to use in a spot where you were in need. 
Yeah, and Traylon Burks expected back for, for Tennessee. Not that you can use him because of the pass filing concerns, but that's another knock against Chig Okonkwo. Um, you know, Malik Willis did target tight ends on 35% of his passes in those two starts, but, you know, that, that equals nine targets because he only threw it you know, 26 times or whatever you said. So, yeah, I would, I would try not to use anyone in this passing game. Yeah, 35% of nothing still going to be nothing. Uh, let's move on now to Seattle at Kansas City, which is a much more interesting fantasy spot. Chiefs by 10 over under 49. The Chiefs have the highest team total of the week by three. Just one other just one other game total is higher, and that one by half a point. It's a good spot for all the obvious folks on the KC side. And Jared, Jared McKinnon, according to our rankings, joins that group this week. 10 among running backs for us right now. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, he's Pacheco is still, you know, getting more carries and more total touches in all these games, but, but McKinnon's getting the work we want. He's getting the work in the red zone near the goal line. He's getting the passing game stuff. Um, Jared McKinnon is 13th in expected half PPR points per game over the last three weeks. He's ninth in expected PPR points. That's what, and this is why I love the expected points stuff because it really weights touches you know how they deserve to be weighted where you know these targets are more valuable these touches near near the end zone are more valuable and you know mckinnon's getting that so he he to me is a must start in this plus matchup against seattle yeah i looked at the rankings i'm like jerry mckinnon 10th i'm like wait a second then like oh yeah i guess so because there's really not a whole lot of running back that you can just look at and say i know exactly what's going to happen with this guy this week so it it helps somebody who is getting those high value touches in an offense that adds value to everybody's high value touches. It is still a good spot for Isaiah Pacheco as well. A much Mm -hmm. lower PPR floor because of his lack of receptions versus McKinnon. Um, But this could just be an everybody scores game on the red side. And Pacheco has not scored the past two weeks, but he did in each of the previous two games did have a carry inside the 10 yard line last week. According to pro football reference, he has 15 of those for the season only 14 players league wide have more carries inside the 10 yard line than Isaiah Pacheco does. Yeah, I think Pacheco should, you know, settle in that 14 to 16 carry range that he's been in most of these weeks. Um, he, he's been efficient. You know, like you said, he's getting goal line chances, even though maybe McKinnon's getting more of them. Um, the only concern with Pacheco is he, he, you know, fumbled again last week. And he actually looked like looked like he, he was, you know, benched for like a series or two. They brought in Ronald Jones actually for at least one series. Um, so that's the only issue. If he fumbles again, you know, maybe that impacts his playing time. But otherwise, like you said, it's, it's a good game environment for Pacheco and it's a good individual individual matchup for him too. Yeah. And of course, a great matchup for chiefs running backs overall. You can bet that Andy Reed was drawing um, a mustache on his face after that game. Geno Smith on the other side of this one loses Tyler Lockett, but he's in a great spot for passing yeah. volume. They're, as I said, 10 point underdogs. So this has been a chief's defense that encourages passing not just because it's weak against the pass, but because they score so many points that you're trailing this team. We expect Seattle to trail in this game. And I would certainly not expect, you know, efficiency as good from Geno Smith without Tyler Lockett, who is one of the most efficient pass catchers in the league. But we can't really take the league leader in completion rate and like dipping below 60% completions this week. I don't sure. think for losing Lockett. So it's a, it's a very good spot for floor for Geno Smith, I think. Yeah, I think, like you said, the, the game environment and the matchup against the Chiefs, 29th and adjusted points, a lot of quarterbacks, that maybe doesn't totally make up for the loss of Lockett, but it definitely helps. Um, and Seattle, too, you know, sixth in pass rate over expected on the season. Even that has climbed lately. And like you said, the, Gino should have to throw plenty against Casey here. Kenneth Walker is banged up. We'll see if he's even going to play. 
Um, Noah Fant is banged up as well. So you know, hopefully he's able to get out there for Geno Smith. So still some injury questions to answer here. But I think regardless, you're going to see, you know, Geno kind of stay in that mid to, to lower end quarterback one territory in our rankings. Uh, D, uh, DK Metcalf is obvious here, has a high ceiling for this game. But one other injury to watch is Marquise Goodwin, who is listed with a wrist issue, was limited Wednesday after a full practice Tuesday, not previously listed for that injury. So I'm not exactly sure what the situation is. I didn't see anything, any further explanation of what's up with him. So we'll just watch and see what his participation is today. And then if he has a game status, there was a hand issue in weeks 13 and 14, but he played each time. And like I said, it's a wrist this time, as opposed to a hand Marquise Goodwin, obviously gets into a great spot here with Tyler Lockett out. He is the wide receiver too. I mean, we'll see exactly what that means for target share, but he's definitely yep. the best bet to be next among wideouts behind DK Metcalf in targets for this one. And we have already gotten five games of Goodwin getting five plus targets this season, despite Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf not missing any full games between them before this week. We had two touchdowns for Goodwin in the game that Metcalf left early with the knee injury against the Chargers. We had 95 yards in a garbage TD from Goodwin two weeks ago against Carolina, uh, 16 yards per catch for his career. So I, the sp I'm going to cover up the name Marquise Goodwin and play wide receiver two from Seattle in a lot of lineups this week. Yeah. I'm not quite covering up the name. Like I want to be careful not to overrate it just because I mean, you know, this is Marquise Goodwin. He's been a situational deep threat throughout his career. He's 32 years old now. So I, I just want to be careful not to overrate the spot, but like you said, I mean, he's going to be on the field. We think Seattle's going to throw plenty. Geno Smith's been good all season. So there's definitely a path to Goodwin having, a nice game here. Um, I'm not going out of my way to start him over like established guys in good spots this week that I've been rolling with all season. But like I said, I mean, there's, I, I look at the wide receiver rankings. There's like 24 ish guys. I feel good about after that, you know, between injuries and weather, it gets iffy. So yeah, that, that's why Goodwin I think is a, is in the mix as a wide receiver three play this week. I, I, and I think that he's a, a strong wide receiver three play with upside well beyond that. So I, I say covering up the name, but I mean, he's not a great receiver, but he has been in the league for nine years. He was originally a third round pick. He is still averaging 15 yards a catch. So it's not like he's slowed down and really he gets into this spot in an offense that's been efficient and been wide receiver driven. Like we haven't had other pass catchers that sneak in and take the targets away on a consistent basis. I know that obviously Marquise Goodwin's not Tyler Lockett, but if Lockett were in this game, we'd probably have both him and DK Metcalf among our top 12 in the right. rankings. So to me, having Goodwin at like wide receiver 30 is more than baking in the step down mm -hmm. in talent. Cause we also have to consider the speed here in that he could have an efficient day catch wise and make up for that with yardage efficiency. Sure. I mean, you know, we have him ranked over Amari Cooper, Alan Lazarge, Kobe Myers, Tyler Boyd, like, uh, these other guys that you might've been starting a lot of the season. And I would definitely play him over those types. I mean, I'm not, I'm not anti Marquise Goodwin. I think I'm just a little more skeptical than you are just, just because of the player. I think you're anti Marquise Goodwin. I would also most likely, I would definitely start him over Brandon Ayuk. I would probably start him over Darius Slayton, although that one's kind of could go either way. Cause they're the same kind of guy pressed into duty. I like him better than Jerry Judy this week. I like him better than DeAndre Hopkins. I like him better than Adam Thielen. Yeah, I don't quite, but I mean, they're all they're all close.
And that's the thing is they're in this range where I'm not saying definitely Marquise Goodwin is outscoring this guy or, you know, it's difficult to sort them, but I, I, I like chasing the upside over worrying about um, what his downside risk might be. Also, it's worth mentioning 71% catch rate for Marquise Goodwin this year. So he's, it's not like they're, you know, switching to some schlub that has Robbie Anderson's hands. Yeah. All these um, Seahawks wideouts have awesome catch rates because of how good, you know, Smith has been this season. I mean, Marquise Goodwin has a 10.2 yard average depth of target. So they've definitely been using him this season as, as more than just like a straight deep throw guy. So there, you know, he, there's not going to be a big like role change for him. He's just going to be on the field more, I think, and, you know, potentially get more targets. Exactly. Potentially. We're going to keep like sawing away with the file and get you to drop that potentially from it and <laughs> see where he winds up in the rankings. Anything else from this game worth going over? No, again, we'll have to see about Noah Fant because I, you know, I think he, he was in a good spot here too, just basically for all the same reasons as Marquise Goodwin, you know, a high passing volume spot for Seattle and targets left behind from Tyler Lockett. But um, you know, Fant has not practiced yet this week with it with a knee issue. He he did this a couple other weeks earlier this season where he didn't practice the first two days, came back on Friday, at, you know, in that case and was ready for his usual workload. So we'll see. The nice thing about all these Saturday games is we'll get the final injury reports for most of these games today. Like, you know, even before this Thursday night game kicks off, which will be nice. This is pretty much knocking Noah Fant out of my plans because he has been a disappointment all year. He's got one game where he reached 50 yards all season. So if he's heading in yeah. with an injury question, uh, I would I would rather go elsewhere. He's 12th in fantasy points per game over the last six weeks, which you know tells you how bad tight end is. But, uh, you know, relatively speaking, he's been at least a factor in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Detroit at Carolina Lions by two and a half over under 43 and a half. Is this one where weather could factor in Jared? Uh, no, it doesn't look too bad here. Cold, but uh, you know, no, no wind to worry about. So we're not really adjusting anything weather-wise for this one. So we start with Jared Goff, who's been playing well for basically a month and a half at this point. And you look at last week, he didn't have big fantasy numbers, but that was predictable. We weren't expecting big fantasy numbers against the tough Jets defense that we already talked about in this one. He was decent. 252 yards, one touchdown, no turnovers. That has been key. Six straight games without a turnover. Weaker defense this week. Carolina has been playing better, especially against the pass. So, Jared, what's the case against Jared Goff being inside the top 12 for week 16? That he's not in, in the comfy confines of a forward field. He just he he hasn't delivered in fantasy on the road this season. He has no finish better than quarterback seventeen among six road games. And I, I you know I, the road home splits aren't as pronounced as they the numbers make it look. And I mean you know there were some injury problems in some of these road games. He has faced New England, Dallas, and the Jets on the road. Three tough defenses. He's also faced though Minnesota, Chicago, and the Giants on the road, who are not tough defenses. And again, he still failed to finish better. Than quarterback 17 in those games. It's sort of a middling matchup against Carolina. They're 16th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks on the season. So I think Goff is fringy. Like, I don't know. How far is Lawrence going to drop in our rankings? Like, would you consider playing Goff over Lawrence? I, I would. It's one of those like Daniel Jones where I'm like, man, am I really going to sit Trevor Lawrence for Jared Goff this week? But I think it's basically the same argument, just subbing in better surrounding talent for Daniel Jones's rushing. And I think all told, all the factors considered, Jared Goff is probably the smarter play. Obviously, that doesn't mean it's going to work out. You can play, you know, Matt Collins has outscored Devontae Adams multiple times this year. You can play the worst play and have it work out. You can play the better play and not have it work out. But I think that there's less working against Jared Goff this week than there is Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah, to me, the best argument in favor of Goff is that the Lions have a 23.25 point implied total, which is actually eighth highest on the week. So, you know, Vegas is still expecting them to, you know, put up a decent amount of points in this game. And I would throw into the road home split thing that a lot of his road games this year came in that stretch where DJ Chark was out, where DeAndre yep. Swift was out or limited. Um, obviously, Jameson Williams was not back in the lineup yet. So it definitely also coincided with a weaker stretch for the Detroit pass offense. Yep, totally fair. Elsewhere in this one, we, you know, speaking of DeAndre Swift and DJ Chark, we'll hit Swift first because Jared, he's basically Jarek McKinnon at this point, but without the TDs. And I think that's the difference. I think this injury report thing is real. We talked about last week. He was not on the injury report last week. His snaps still, his snaps still weren't great. Just 40% of the Lions offensive snaps, but he had eight carries and nine targets. Um, He was 10th among running backs and expected PPR points last week. So, you know, if he's going to, and he's not on the injury report, this week, you know, for the fourth time this season, he's gone 17, 18 and 20 opportunities in his three games this season, not on the injury report. So, you know, if we can project him in that range with, you know, that many targets, I think he's a, he's a pretty nice RB two play in full PPR. Yeah. I think he's solid in that range. Like I said, he's basically Jarek McKinnon without the touchdowns and like that highlights, not that we can predict touchdowns for Jarek McKinnon as opposed to Deandre Swift, but it highlights the difference in the two offenses. Deandre Swift just doesn't have, as high a ceiling on the same kind of workload, but he certainly does have ceiling. I'm okay with him low in RB two range DJ Chark, boom bust wide receiver four. we can look at last week, say he disappointed with two targets, one catch mm-hmm. it's the same deal as Jared Goff. We knew going in, it was a bad matchup. He plays outside. I don't have the numbers in front of me on exactly how much he faced sauce Gardner, but both of the jets outside corners have been playing well this year. Yeah. So that was a bad matchup in a spot where the lions don't need to force him a ball. And otherwise he's been seeing a 15.7% target share in healthy games. So a DJ Chark, not certainly not somebody you need to start, but somebody that is in yeah. the midst at that bottom of wide receiver three and into wide receiver four territory, especially as you get outside of full PPR. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. I mean, to me, Chark kind of goes as golf goes. So like, I'm not super excited about golf in this spot. I'm not super excited about DJ Chark, but um, yeah, he, he's a, he's, he's in play as a wide receiver four for me on the Carolina side. I don't really want to use anybody <laughs> except DJ Moore. I mean, yeah. at some point the lions were a running back target matchup, but now they're eighth toughest on running back scoring by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. They've held running backs to 2.8 yards per carry over the past five weeks. Now, some of that's opponent driven, but football outsider says them 10th and run defense over the past five weeks. And, you know, th- th- it's, it's just evolved into a committee backfield in Carolina. We saw last week, Chuba Hubbard actually easily led the way in snaps. That's because they face negative game script and he's their, you know, passing down guy. Uh, Foreman still led the way in carries, but there, there's definitely a chance the Panthers fall behind in this one. And that kind of phases Dante Foreman out again. So yeah, I would not want to mess with either of these running backs if I can help it. Um, yeah. I mean, DJ Moore is in a good spot. His slot rate, Josh Larkey pointed this out this morning. His slot rates actually increased um, over the past three weeks, the 68% of his routes in the slot. And that's where you want to attack the Lions defense. Um, so, you know, there's, there's downside to a, a wide receiver playing with Sam Darnold, but it is a good individual matchup for DJ Moore. He's still, you know, a, a big time talent. And the Lions are good enough at this point that I would not be surprised if this is a lopsided game and we get more passing from Carolina than expected. Yep. Yep. Could definitely happen. Giants at Minnesota in a game that's going to matter a lot more for fantasy than it really should. Vikings by four over under 48. It's the third highest of the week. Just one point behind Seahawks Chiefs, one and a half points behind Dolphins Packers. The Giants sit 12th in team total for the week. So that's not high, but it's above the middle. And it indicates that the points 
aren't all about the Vikings in this game. We already talked about Daniel Jones a little bit. Jared, he's tough to like just in general. Every time you talk about Daniel Jones, you're like, "Eh, yeah, but he's Daniel Jones. It's especially tough after last week, 160 passing yards, no touchdowns against Washington, his second worst fantasy outing of the year. But he had 20 plus fantasy points in four of five before that. So when you now turn him around and put him against a bad defense, the Vikings are bottom Mm -hmm. third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. They've allowed the fifth most total fantasy points to the position. I mean, it's one of those weeks where you have to just kind of talk yourself into starting the quarterback against the Vikings as opposed to Daniel yep. Jones. Yeah, and th- that was a tough spot for Jones last week. He talks about, you know, Washington's pass defense has even you know been better lately. They've, they've remained tough against the run. Um, and just, you know, second game against a divisional opponent, those those tend to be low scoring. Now, you know, high over under here, like we said, you know, don't have to worry about weather in this game, which is nice. Yeah, Vikings pass defense has not been good for a while now. Minnesota also, you know, Throughout most of the year, they've been near the top of the league in pass rate over expected against, meaning teams are leaning pass against them because they are they are still a pretty solid run defense. So you know, I don't expect the Giants to come out chucking the ball here, but you definitely could get more passing volume than normal from Daniel Jones, and there's still that that rushing upside. So um, yeah, he's um, I think he's a he's a relatively safe play this week compared to you know these other quarterbacks that are going to be dealing with weather or tough matchups or whatever else it is. Yeah, I mean, if he had any receivers around him or were just a better player, he'd probably be sitting like sixth in our rankings this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Darius Slayton's a good spot for him. He's in wide receiver three range. You know, same kind of deal. Not a great player, not a great offense, low ceiling (laughs) offense, but he's in a great spot. He's been doing well on targets. He has, yeah, seven targets last week at 22% target share. You know, he didn't deliver a big fantasy game, but the target share was there. He ran her out on every single Giants pass play last week, which you like to see. Um, and then, yeah, Minnesota 31st in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. And they're actually um, – the, the Vikings are the top matchup for outside wide receivers. They're actually a slightly negative matchup for slot guys. Um, and Slayton has run 70% of his, his routes outside the numbers this season, so it's an even better matchup for him and his role. Kind of funny to think the Giants might be in better shape if they had hung on to Geno Smith and not had to draft Oof. Daniel Jones in the first round. I'm glad we got Geno uh, to throw passes to, to DK and lock it. So am I. It would be a shame to watch Geno Smith wasting this season on Darius Slayton and Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins. Right. By the way, those are the <laughs> other two guys that you might be like, well, what about these two? They did stuff for me in recent weeks. I mean, if you want to, fine. Richie James is a fine PPR flex if you need him. There's just not much ceiling to find to to chase here unless he finds the end zone. And I mean, even with the relatively high game total, this is just the kind of low ceiling yeah. offense that you don't want to play Richie James or Isaiah Hodgins because of their chances to score a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And again, Minnesota slightly negative matchup to slot receivers. And, you know, that's where James has, has played um, about three quarters of his snaps this season. Jared, I got one question in our Discord this week asking why this wasn't the exact wording, but basically why do we have Daniel Bellinger so high in the PPR ranks this week? So just to put some context to that, he's tight end 16. So it's not like we're saying go out and play Daniel Bellinger this week. It's going to be a blow up spot. So since I already answered it once for somebody, why don't you tell me why Daniel Bellinger is not lower? Yeah, I was hoping to get to talk about Daniel Bellinger on this show today. Um, Yeah, I mean, just just, uh, one catch. Last week did see four targets, but he ran her out on 97% of the Giants pass plays, which is a number we rarely see even from the Kelsey's and the Andrews and, and those guys um, and the Dulcich's exactly. Yeah. So that keeps him in the mix, you know, tight end 16 in, in that territory. Um, it's a good matchup too. The Vikings are 24th in adjusted points allowed to tight end. So I think you could get, you know, four or five, six targets out of Ballinger, which is enough to get him to tight end 16. 
And the other factor that you didn't necessarily mention is that in there is that tight end sucks. It, I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> terrible overall. So it's not, hey, Daniel Bellinger is a good play. It's, hey, all of these guys stink a lot for fantasy. And Daniel Bellinger is on the field quite a bit for a team that's in an upside passing spot this week. That's it. On the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins, a fairly easy play, especially coming off of two straight 400-yard games. Like We have him behind Tom Brady, Geno Smith, Tua Tonga-Vailoa right now. If I'm making that decision, I could go either way between him and all of them. Yeah, me too. Um, I think the reason he's that low is just because I think the Vikings lean a bit more on the run in this game. Um, the Giants are dead last in football outsiders run defense DVOA over the last five weeks. They're actually 19th. Um, against the pass and they're 17th in adjusted points allowed quarterback. So it's definitely not a bad matchup for cousins, but it's definitely a better matchup for the running game. So you, you could see a bit more uh, Davin cook and a bit le- less Kirk cousins in this game. Yeah. And among those QBs that I just mentioned, this is the most likely team to pull a little bit back, I think from passing and give it to the rushing, especially if they end up taking control of this matchup. Although the way the Vikings have been playing lately, it's not really something to bet on, but you know, we only need to look back the game before those 204, those two 400 yard games uh, cousins threw for 173 against the jets. Obviously that was a negative matchup two games before that 105 against the Cowboys. So we, you know, you can, talk about the specifics of those matchups, but we yeah. at least have seen, you know, bad Kirk Cousins games to yeah. to compare for those very specific decisions where it's him versus somebody else that's also in the top eight. Yeah, for sure. But if Kirk Cousins is your guy, like I'd, I'd feel good. Like, yes. you know, they're, you know the, the concerns with him are, are much less than the concerns with a lot of these other guys. The biggest question for fantasy with the Vikings <laughs> this week might be, should I play KJ Osborne? So should I? I would try not to. I mean, he's in wide receiver four range for us. Um, uh, maybe he belongs a little higher. Nothing changed with his usage last week. He drew the big target share kind of out of nowhere. The Vikings also ran 86 plays last week. Kirk Cousins threw it 54 times in just a, a crazy game that you know we'll likely never see anything like that again. So um, it feels a bit fluky to me. Yes, a little bit fluky. Touchdowns in two straight now. Generally, though, a poor bet for target share with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen healthy. We've had two other games all season where Osborne got more than five targets. We've had just four other games where he had four plus catches. We had one other game before this one where he topped 41 receiving yards. So, I mean, could he work out? Sure. Is he going to work out? It's far more likely that he does not help you. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, 27% of his um, PPR points on the season came in that game last week. He had reached double digits just twice before that. Yeah. Even bigger outlier than Gabe Davis. Uh, TJ Hawkinson. What should we do with him this week? A little bit disappointing lately, but probably pretty easily in our lineups. Yeah. It's funny. His um, he's kind of like Benjamin buttoning here. Um, he, he's gone from 9.3 targets in his first three games with the um, Vikings to 7.3 over the last four. You kind of expect it to be the opposite, but 7.3 targets per game, still a really nice number for a tight end. And football outsider says the giants dead last in tight end coverage. So it's a nice individual matchup for Hawk. Yeah. Nice spot for him. Uh, we had one question in on YouTube earlier about whether to play Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson. I would go ahead and play TJ Hawkinson, assuming that there's no Lamar Jackson this week. Yeah, we have Andrews ahead in the rankings right now. I don't know where I'd lean there. I mean, the, the, this matchup is, and, and we're expecting it to be Huntley. You know, we'll get to the, the Ravens game, but um, you know, the matchup's so good for Andrews, and the, the volume has still been there, even though you know the production hasn't been. Yeah, the target share has been there. The volume has not been. He's been like six, seven, eight targets um, with Huntley. 
Let's go. Let's check the specific <laughs> numbers just to make sure, because six is certainly what I remember from last week. But, you know, this is where like we talk about target shares because it can be tougher to project exactly what the volume is going to be overall. But this is where it matters, mm-hmm. because if you're getting, you know, you can get five points less in target share in Minnesota currently and have it be better than, you know, five points more in the Baltimore. Yeah. Offense. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Hawkinson and he's super safe because of the volume and the catch rate has been. Nice. Um, he has a seven yard average depth of target with the Vikings and he's averaging 8.6 yards per catch. Like it's all, it's been this short range stuff. So like he's, he's a safe bet. Um, I, I don't think he has you know, like a, a massive ceiling though, just, yeah. just based on the way they're using him. I would say better um, touchdown upside though than Mark Andrews given their two situations. So past four yeah. games for Andrews, seven, seven, six, seven targets, just 13 catches though. Catch rate of 48%. Yeah. Over those four games. So Tyler Huntley is definitely bad for his efficiency and also 5.6 yards per target. Yeah. I also, you know, wouldn't bet on a 48% catch rate maintaining. Like if we get six, seven targets out of Andrews, he's, he's still a decent play. Definitely not the elite play you thought you were getting. Give me Hawkinson and his uh, eight, nine, 10 targets. It's cool. It's, it's, it's definitely close. Buffalo at Chicago bills by eight and a half over under 40 and a half current forecast five degrees with 20 mile per hour winds here. We got a negative wind chill expected Jared. I think we got a downgrade passing game pieces for this game. What do you think? Oh, definitely. Now there's no passing game pieces. You're really interested in on the Chicago side. Anyways. I mean, Cole Komet is the one, um, and, and you know, these tight ends with the lower a dots are definitely a, impacted less by the weather um, but with Komet it's the weather and this matchup against Buffalo who is you know the toughest tight end defense um, so you know Komet's in you know borderline tight end one territory in our rankings it doesn't mean I like him it's just you know because the position's so bad as we've been talking about I'm gonna cut out that little bit of you saying Cole Komet is the one and just tweet it <laughs> out like like a love affair I feel like I've like transitioned into like being higher than consensus on Komet over the last uh month or two which I, I don't like at all yeah that's fine we can start um <laughs> fixing that this week the the best the, the first step is admitting that you have a problem then we can work on the healing so you mentioned not liking anything on the Bears side for passing i certainly agree on the bill side i don't really want to play anything besides josh allen or stefan diggs if i can help it yeah i'm with you i um, definitely don't want to play gabe davis who's been disappointing and you know that this weather impacts someone like him a lot more who you know kind of lives on those deep balls um I do think Dawson Knox is in play, like in, in Kamal, uh, Cole Komet territory. Um, the route rates have been strong for Knox for a while now. He has 15 targets over his last two games, and you know he has this 7.8 yard average up the target. Like he's used in the short range, so he, he you know could be featured a bit more in this matchup. I would not drop uh, Dawson Knox to get Daniel Bellinger. Oh no, I, I, I'd play Knox straight up over Bellinger, even if I was sitting on those two guys. If you're sitting on those two guys, then you've been sad for a lot of the season. <laughs> it could be. It, it could be worse at tight end. <laughs> it definitely could. On the Bears side, but it's Justin Fields for sure. And then David Montgomery yeah. is solid. You know, you mentioned the pass catchers, but I, I'm not downgrading David Montgomery this week for Khalil Herbert's expected return. His first game back from a hip injury. It adds a question, but it doesn't add a, it doesn't for me add fear. Yeah, fear is too strong a word. I mean, I think it's a slight downgrade. If you look at the actual numbers, um, Montgomery averaged 14.3 carries with Herbert out the past four games. He averaged 14 carries with Herbert. It's actually the targets that have climbed over the past four games, which I don't think Herbert really has anything to do with that because he doesn't really play on passing down. So I think, I think it's maybe a slight thing. It's Montgomery. The Bills' run D's been solid most of the season. They just got gashed last week by the Dolphins and Raheem Mostert. So, you know, it's it's 
I don't think it's a good matchup, but it's also one I'm not afraid of. And again, with this weather, um, the Bears should lean on the run, you know, maybe even more than they have been for most of the season. Yeah, the Bills defense has also been one that has rated well against the run all year, but there have been other spots where they just show vulnerability. The Green Bay games jumps out to me. Um, it's one of those where you don't upgrade a running back for facing them, but I also am not yeah. crushing a running back who I would otherwise be playing. Yep, I don't think Montgomery's going to hurt you as an RB2 this week. I think you know, he's going to get the volume. He'll be efficient enough. Cincinnati at New England. Bengals by three over under 41 and a half. Jared, 16 degrees for this one. Sounds like a good forecast based on what else is going on around the Northeast this week. Yeah, and it, it, right now it's 10 to 15 mile per hour wind. So that's like, you know, kind of right below where I'd start to worry. So as of now, I'm not adjusting anything in this game because of weather. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that wind as we get closer to kickoff. Yeah, before we get into the players in this game, we got a Trevor Lawrence specific question from YouTube. We've got Trevor Lawrence versus Brock Purdy or Gardner Minshew. Jared, how far down the rankings is Trevor Lawrence going? He's he's going to stay ahead of those guys in our rankings. I think. Um, I don't think I don't think playing Minshew over Lawrence is crazy. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that game. I think if the Eagles let Minshew throw enough, that yeah, he'll have a good enough day to you know potentially outscore Lawrence. Yes, I agree that it's not crazy. Honestly, I would probably play Lawrence over Gardner Minshew in my own lineup, though. Yep. Joe Burrow from this game has been good lately. The only real question with him is whether you start him versus other quarterbacks that are also inside of our top 10, similar to the Kirk Cousins question. We have him fifth. I wouldn't go reaching for anybody that's currently behind him in our rankings to start over him. And I mean, when I say reach, it's guys that are already on your roster. You're obviously not picking up a quarterback Mm -hmm. to play over Joe Burrow. Yeah, again, I think you're in good shape if Burrow's a guy. Like, I don't, I don't know if you're going to get a ceiling game in this spot you know, on the road in New England. Pretty tough defense, not the greatest of weather, but um, I also don't think that the Pats are going to shut down this passing game. T. Higgins back to full usage last week, so we'll watch the weather for his sake as well. But if the weather is not an issue, I'm fairly comfy with him and Jamar Chase this week. Yeah, playing time was there. 21% target share was there for Higgins. Eight targets. Um, I think he's a pretty comfortable starter. I'm probably leaning away from Tyler Boyd, though, because I don't think this is a game where we're going to reach for receiving upside. I agree. And it looks like there's a chance that Hayden Hurst will return this week. He's been limited in practice so far. So uh, he's actually not in our rankings at this point. If he does end up playing, he'll probably, you know, get into that Cole Komet territory where maybe he's an option for you. Um, But, you know, we'll see how he's listed on the final injury report later today. Joe Mixon was back to leading the backfield last week as well. Samaje Pirine still in the mix more than we would like him to be, but yeah. as long as Mixon's back to getting the lead and targets, I'm not going to complain too heavily. Yeah, 11 carries and six targets for Mixon. Seven carries, one target for Pirine. Mixon's snap rate was up a little bit from 58% in his return uh, two weeks ago to 64% last week. And Mixon was actually seventh among running backs in expected fantasy points last week so again you know he was getting the money touches those targets those touches near the goal line so tough matchup against new england they're they're first in adjusted points allowed through running backs um which i think you know knocks mixing into rb2 territory but um i think he's a relatively safe volume bet again mm-hmm. yeah i agree there uh, on the patriots side we're waiting to see if damian harris is going to be back for this game to challenge ramondre stevenson i think stevenson would still be a fairly easy ppr starter but certainly his ceiling yeah. comes down some if harris is back for sure. Yeah. And um, Harris has been limited in practice for a couple of weeks now, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. I do think even if Harris returns this week, Stevenson probably remains the lead ball carrier, definitely remains the guy on passing downs. He was scaled back um, a little bit last week in terms of playing time, which you wouldn't know by looking at the box score. Um, he turned in a huge game against the Raiders, but um, you know, he, he theoretically should be healthier this time around, more ready for a full workload. 
And I, I think that's really the only spot worth focusing on here because I would definitely rather not play any yeah. of these past ca- pass catchers, especially after the way this whole pass offense played last week against the Raiders. Jacoby Myers is normally the guy we can count on for targets at least, but he wasn't even back to leading the team in routes last week or, you know, being that clear target share leader. So I'd, I'd prefer to lean right. elsewhere for upside. Yeah, me too. I mean, I would guess that that uh, Myers was a bit limited coming off the concussion um, that he'll get back to full playing time in this one, but I'm still not excited to use him. I, I saw this morning, Bill Belichick wouldn't even commit to Mac Jones as a starter for this game. So um, there's a chance we get back to Bailey Zappi. Maybe he's um, thinking about starting Myers there to get his passing back on. Nice. Track. I like that. I like that. He did. I believe Jacoby Myers was a high school quarterback and maybe even got to college as a quarterback before switching to wide receiver. So we, we haven't seen the best of his throwing. Um, <laughs> On to Atlanta at Baltimore Ravens by seven and a half over under 35 and a half. Jared, I'm waiting to see whether the national Audubon society is protesting this game for misrepresenting birds. And it's not going to be much uh, flying in these conditions. This is a potential win game. It's like 10 to 20 miles per hour with, you know, gusts up to 30 right now. So uh, not that you want to be messing with the passing games here anyways. Yeah. I, I honestly think that we should probably knock Mark Andrews down a little bit just because there, you know, you can say what you want about the target floor and how good he is, but how much ceiling are we really giving up by starting somebody else? And I'm not, I'm not saying knock him out of the top 12, yeah. but how much ceiling are we giving up by starting somebody down through Hawkinson and like Dallas Goddard over Mark Andrews? Yeah. This week? I mean, the thing that's still in my head is how awesome he was with Huntley last year, you know, and it hasn't happened yet this year, but again, the volume has still been decent and, and the, the matchup boosts him for me too. You know, Atlanta 29th and adjusted points allowed the tight ends they, they can't really stop anything um plus you know plus the, the ravens lost devin duvernay in practice this week so like they, they re-signed sammy Watkins. like you know andrew should dominate targets when the ravens do take the, to the air it's just you know how much is baltimore gonna have to throw in this game probably not a whole lot yeah that's the thing is he'll get 33 percent of the targets this week and it'll be five of them could be could be yeah i, I um i'd be okay knocking andrews behind hawkinson i, I wouldn't go any lower than that though we'll see where we end up. So make sure you check the rankings later. Uh, check them tomorrow. You can see if, if I move Marquise Goodwin after Jared goes to bed tonight, I think really overall, this is just going to be a garbage game. And JK Dobbins is easily the most yeah. interesting play on either side. For sure. Yeah. Um, and Dobbins separated a bit more from Gus Edwards in terms of volume last week, 13 carries to, to seven for Gus Edwards. Um, awesome matchup for Dobbins. The only concern is that like, he's still doing nothing in the passing game. So if he doesn't average, eight yards per carry like he has been over the past couple of weeks. And if he doesn't find the end zone, like he might hurt you, but I'm, I'm definitely willing to roll the dice on him in this matchup. Yeah. Against the Falcons. I mean, he very well could average eight yards per carry again and find the end zone twice. For sure. Drake London's targets have vaulted the past two weeks. That puts him in wide receiver three range for us. Obviously yeah. though, you still have to consider the risk of both his full season being much more negative than positive to this point. And Desmond Ritter threw for 97 yards last week in his debut. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like, I know London came away with you know seven catches or seventy yards last week, and he got the the forty two percent target share. That's that's awesome. But his team threw for ninety seven yards. Like, I I really don't want to be starting a wide receiver on a team that threw for ninety seven yards, especially in this weather, in a tough matchup. I don't like London even as high as we have him, and he's in like mid range wide receiver three territory. I'd be fine with knocking him down a little further as well. I'm certainly going to bet on the under on 55% catch share and uh, 72% yardage share here. He did. He did look good. like, I, I still love the player. Just oh, yeah. hate the situation. 
Yes, absolutely. We should probably address the Falcons running backs because they produced last week, but now they face yeah. the defense that has been playing the run as tough as any in the league for a lot of the season at this point. I, you know, if you need one, you could play either Patterson or Tyler Algier. I would prefer not to use either guy. Yeah, 3.1 yards per carry for running backs against the Ravens over the past five weeks. Um, it's a fun matchup because this this uh, Falcons running game has been so good and, and you know efficient throughout the season. So we'll see how it shakes out. I think you're, you're probably going to get 12 to 15 carries out of both of these running backs, but I, I, I wouldn't expect them to be very efficient and I don't like their, their touchdown chances. Yeah. I will say at least some other offenses might go into this matchup and say, okay, we're just going to throw more because running hasn't been working <laughs> against the Ravens. That's not going to be the Falcons. This game is going to be like, it's going to be like 70 total plays between the two teams. And there are going to be six total passes. I was just looking for the over under 35 and a half. I don't know if I can bet the under, but I definitely would not bet the over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. The scary part about betting the under here is what if all four running backs score? Like what if both teams are averaging, I don't know, even five yards per carry total. It could just be uh, one of those games. And it's like pick sixes and, you know, fump, like, there's just fluky stuff that can happen to, sure. to get a game to go over 35 and a half pretty easily. New Orleans at Cleveland Browns by three over under 32 and a half for this one. We got two bad offenses at play here. We've got seven degrees in the forecast and windy Jared play Nick Chubb play Alvin Kamara. If you need to, and just ignore everything else about this game. Yeah, well, this is one I'm excited to, to just watch and see the chaos on really? So like, yeah. Cause we got the temperature, we got the snow, 20 to 30 mile per hour winds with gusts of 40 to 50. Like this is going to be like blizzard like stuff out there. Um, that it, uh, it's going to be interesting to me. I like, you know, like watching a car crash or whatever. Um, yeah, there's, there's not going to be, there's not going to be fantasy points to be had in, in the passing games. Um, I do think both running backs here, Chubb um, and Alvin Kamara are in play just because I think, you know, they're going to get 18 to, to, to 22 carries a piece. You can let me know how it goes. Cause I'm going to be actively trying to <laughs> not watch that game. I will. Yeah. Anything else from that one? No, again, I mean, like, I guess in the passing game, like David Njoku is the one guy who is still in play just because the position is so crappy. You know, Njoku is tied for the team lead with uh, 22 targets from Deshaun Watson over the last three weeks, like a 20% target share. Um, and again, these tight ends, you know, with, with the shorter stuff, you know, they, they could be featured more in the passing game. But it's definitely, it's definitely a game where you could see, like, neither team reach 20 pass attempts. Yeah, we haven't projected for 3.6 catches and he's 10th among tight ends. So I don't like David Njoku this week, but if David Njoku's my tight end and I'm like, well, do I get Dan Daniel Bellinger to start over him? Do I go get Hunter Henry to start over him? The answer is no in those cases. Yes, just, just roll with Njoku. Washington at San Francisco, 49ers by seven over under 38. Another barn burner here. Just 15 and a half of those points come from the commanders in this matchup. And Jared, that is the main reason I would try not to play Brian Robinson this week because we already know the matchup is bad. 49ers are allowing 3.3 yards per rush to running backs all season. Yeah, for sure. Um, this, this is not a weather game. So Washington's just implied for 15 and a half points because, you know, they're not great in this, this San Francisco defense is so good. Um, and we saw last week too, but the Washington trailing the Giants for a lot of that game that you know Antonio Gibson pretty easily outsnapped Ryan Robinson Robinson still did lead the way in carries but Gibson out targeted him four to one so it's it's not not a good spot for Robinson because of the matchup and just because of how we you know think this game's going to go with the Niners probably playing from ahead if he were to reach 60 rushing yards in this game he would be the first running back to get to that number against wow. San Francisco all season 
I, I saw someone point out that um, Christian McCaffrey is the running back with the most running, uh, rushing yards against the Niners this season. <laughs> Although I think Caleb Huntley was by what I saw, he had, uh, Oh, well no. Yeah. 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 It was Caleb Huntley hit 59. I think that McCaffrey was like 58. I thought McCaffrey, uh, I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm curious. <laughs> um, Oh yeah. You're right. McCaffrey 50. Maybe it was totally yards. McCaffrey at 54. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. Huntley 59. Trante Williams 58. That, that those are your top guys. That's, that's crazy. That's a, it's a bad matchup. Definitely. It is a neutral matchup for wide receiver scoring overall. So Terry McLaurin, a decent starter this week, although he has seen Jahan Dotson challenge his target lead over the past two weeks. Yeah. 15 targets for Dotson to 18 for McLaurin over that's still 26% target share for McLaurin over the last two weeks. So, you know, if, if you can get that out of him, I think he'll be okay. Like I'm not excited about him because I don't think the Washington offense does much in general. And then Dotson, you know, 15 targets, 21% target share over the last two weeks. Like that's, that's nice. Um, I'd rather not, though, trust him in this matchup. I just, I just don't think Washington's going to put many points on the board. I agree. There are some teams where you'll say, okay, if they're not going to be able to run the ball, they'll throw it more. I mean, Taylor Heineke throwing the ball a lot is not a recipe for success. So maybe we get a bump in targets for Dotson, but I'm certainly yeah. not betting strongly on him delivering on those. Same. I agree. Brock Purdy on the other side has got two touchdown passes in each of his three games. So, I mean, if you need to reach down there for a quarterback, you could do worse than Brock Purdy. But Washington's been playing well on defense lately, too. Yeah, I mean, I think Purdy's a nice quarterback, too. Um, I I think you'd need to be desperate. Like, again, I would not um, sit Lawrence tonight for Purdy. Yeah, I mean, maybe um, Brock Purdy outscores Trevor Lawrence this week, but that's not the way that I would handle my lineup heading in. Brock Purdy's been bad for Brandon Ayuk over the past three games. Uh, since he entered, these are the three performances that Ayuk has had. Four catches for 23 in the game where Purdy stepped in, and then just seven targets over the past two weeks. Just a 16.7% target share among all of the Brock Purdy pass attempts so far. So we're not getting target volume and we're not getting yardage efficiency from Ayuk. And even all of that is inflated a bit because he had the one long touchdown in that game against Tampa, I believe it was. Yeah. And I I think that like target share can, could flip. Um, Ayuk ran around on every single pass play last week. So you like that. Like there's a chance he, he gets more looks and this matchup is better for wide receivers than tight ends. But as we've said, um, you know, Washington third in football outsiders past defense over the last five weeks. And they're actually up to 16th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So, you know, it still looks like a middling matchup, but lately it's actually been a negative matchup for wide receivers. So that's, that's my bigger concern for Ayuk than, you know, the specific target share over the past couple of games. And like I said, with Atlanta, you might have other offenses come into this matchup and be like, all right, we'll throw the ball against Washington because they're tougher on the run. That's not San Francisco. They're going to run the ball plenty. And I think they'll control this game where it's just going to be not that high scoring, not a high volume passing game. I agree. Yeah. Last week, the Niners ran 61 plays. McCaffrey had a, a target or a carry on 34 of those 61 plays. Yeah. Give me some more of that for my playoff teams. Anything, any other players we're talking about from this one? Nope. I mean, you're starting George Kittle. Um, nothing changed with his role last week he just happened to have the big game when i when i couldn't play him in dfs because he wasn't on the main slate that's right he just has to get free from you (laughs) philadelphia at dallas the cowboys now favored by six in this one which really makes me want to bet the eagle side i probably will after the show over under of 46 and a half i don't think dallas covers that six point line here jared just looking at the way they've been playing lately i know we had the blowout of minnesota we had the blowout over the colts but the Philly, the Philly is just a much better team than either yeah. of those right now. 
I've been close to clicking that Eagles plus, and actually, I saw it plus five this morning. I don't know if it went back to six. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about it all it's, week. It's I just, just think, before our show. Nice. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to end up betting that. I'm with you. I just think the Eagles are just a better roster overall, and I think Minshew is definitely a good enough quarterback to at least cover that spread. I think the Eagles are, are live to, to win this game even. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked. I'm certainly if I'm betting a money line, it would be Dallas here. But I don't think that the that losing Jalen Hurts gives Philly no chance of winning this game, which I think is yep. what a six point line basically says. It's a so on the Cowboys side, since we started talking about them, all the usual yep. guys are certainly in play. And I think where Jalen Hurts being out really helps is the outlook for the running backs. Dallas already wants to run the ball plenty. It's already a matchup that favors running the ball over passing. And certainly the switch from Jalen Hurts to Gardner Minshew lowers that scoring ceiling for the Eagles. So we should get plenty of Dallas running back touches in this game. For sure. Yeah. Um, I I do want to note that Philly's run defense has been better lately. They're actually up to seventh in uh, run defense DVOA over the last five weeks, allowing just 4.0 yards per carry to running backs. They've gotten healthier. They've added some guys to the D line. Um, so not as good of a matchup as it looked like like a month ago, but yeah, um, I think the Cowboys running game will be fine. And both those backs will get enough volume. I am not reaching however, for Noah Brown or Michael Gallup in this matchup. Yeah, definitely not Noah Brown and you know, his, emergence over the past couple weeks definitely makes Gallup um, tougher to like and it's just a tough matchup for him against those outside corners of the Eagles yeah just there's no floor to point to with Michael Gallup who's already a boom bust guy and this is more of a a bust situation I think it's also a downgrade for Dalton Schultz he still sits in our top 10 similar to David Njoku just because he can't drop that far but he really hasn't been very good lately outside of the Houston game, which is a matchup that favors tight end production and was just the weird game flow of Dallas almost losing that one, probably mm-hmm. boosting the passing volume a little bit. Yeah, he's had these spike weeks of targets, like an eight target game, a 10 target game. That was the one against Houston. But then, you know, in, in between those five, four, six, four. So, like, you know, he's he's going to get you a handful of targets, but you, you can't go into a game expecting him to be this, you know, volume monster. Yeah, and very low yardage efficiency too, which makes it easier to bet against, you know, whatever there. So you're thinking about he's a floor play for the targets and you're not giving up a whole lot of upside if you're deciding between, say, Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard, who one of our YouTube viewers asked about specifically. Yeah, Schultz, by the way, is our tight end seven. So we're talking all this crap about him, but, you know, there's only six guys we like more. Goddard is one of those guys. I would start Goddard over Dalton Schultz. Um, You know, it seemed like he, I don't know, he maybe could have played last week but they, you know, probably didn't think they needed him against the bears. And again, it was a shoulder injury. So like, I'm not worried about you know his conditioning being poor, him being limited. I, th- I think he'll be a full go in this game. Yeah. And we'll watch for any word from coaches about it. I haven't seen anything specifically yet on how much playing time to expect from Goddard. Have you? I haven't. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we'll get an update on Saturday morning. Um, Goddard, by the way, in his one game with Minshew last year, six catches, 105 yards and, and two touchdowns. Of course, no AJ Brown on the team for that game, Correct. so uh, that uh, jumps in. But yeah, it, we've we've at least seen some success between Dallas Goddard and Gardner Minshew. And so, getting to that Philly side, I'm not sure that I'm altering any pass catcher outlooks a whole lot for the QB switch. Certainly, uh, Gardner Minshew is not as good a passer as Jalen Hurts. I I think Jalen Hurts has showed that this year, but I think that we maybe get a little bit more pass rate from the Eagles in this one, mm. you know, I'm sure that they run it a lot and that they get Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell more involved than usual, but Jalen hurts is second on the team in carries. He right. just 4.3 behind Miles Sanders and carries per game, seven and a half ahead of Boston Scott. So they're taking away their 
second most used running back and arguably their best running back from this offense. I don't see why they wouldn't add at least a little bit more pass rate unless they're in control of this game. Yeah, that to me is the big unknown with Eagles offenses. Like, I'm with you. I think Minshew is, again, a, a really good backup and could even be starting for some teams. Like, I'm not worried about him, even if he has a slight downgrade from Jalen Hurts. But the pass rate thing, so in Minshew's two starts last season, the Eagles were negative 13 and negative 10% in pass rate over expected. For perspective, they were negative 6% for all their games last year, and they're negative 1% so far this year. Now, like you said, they didn't have A.J. Brown last year. Minshew's uh, second start was in a meaningless Week 18 game, so I'm not even sure how much stock to put into that. So, again, I could see it going either way. I could see them, like, really leaning on the backs and running the ball, or I could see them, you know, throwing it against this Cowboys. You know, teams in general have gone run heavy against Dallas. They're dead last in pass rate over expected again. So, I don't know. The Eagles have been – a tough team to predict as far as that goes all season, just because they'll do kind of, you know, whatever the defense is giving them, whether it's going past heavy or going run heavy or anywhere in between. It's also worth noting that both of his starts last year came in that second half of the season where Philly flipped from being a pass leaning offense to like 60, 40 run pass over that stretch. And in addition to that week 18 game being meaningless and not including starters, the other one was the game against the jets where they won by 15. So that's certainly going to help the rushing volume. So, you know, I don't mean to say that they're going to go past happy in this game. I mm-hmm. definitely don't expect yeah. that, but maybe a few more points on the passing rate side versus rushing rate than there would be with Jalen hurts, even if just for fewer dropbacks turning into run plays. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Minshew is a, you know, more of a quarterback too. Like I think you can do better than him as a quarterback one. I think you're obviously starting EJ Brown. You're, you're starting Devonta Smith. You know, the quarterback change adds some risk. The other thing with Devonta Smith is Dallas Goddard's return. Smith averaged 8.4 targets over the last five games without Dallas Goddard. He averaged 6.8 targets in the first nine games with Goddard. So he was the guy that um, has gotten a bigger boost with Goddard out past couple weeks it's also a nice matchup for Devonta Smith though you know we'll see exactly how much Jerron Diggs ends up on AJ Brown but you know Dallas is missing their number two and number three corners and we've kind of I mean we saw it last week I think you know when, when Lawrence was able to torch them like it's not that scary of a matchup anymore um, as long as you can deal with Dallas's pass rush and I think the Eagles O-line can do that and we've even seen with Trayvon Diggs as a player that he can take himself out of plays at times. He's done it a lot less this year than he did last year, but it's certainly not a, oh crap, sit A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith yeah. week. Yeah, Brown went uh, five for 67 in a score against the Cowboys in week six. And Devontae Smith also scored in that game, five catches, 41 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I'm just checking to see how much uh, Trayvon Diggs travels. He travels a little bit. It definitely depends on the matchup. Yeah. Right side, but he stays almost completely on the right side of the formation. Yeah, so in week six, only two of A.J. Brown's eight targets came in Diggs' coverage, and none of Devonta Smith's uh, targets came in Diggs' coverage. So I'm not exactly sure what Diggs was doing in that game. Well, they're probably throwing away from him because we know <laughs> yeah. the Eagles don't feel like they need to throw to one guy over everybody else. So, you know, you talked about the Philly doing what the other team will give you. And if Trayvon Diggs is covering somebody and some other dude is covering elsewhere, then you go elsewhere. Yep. Las Vegas at Pittsburgh on Saturday night Steelers by two and a half over under 38 and a half. I would feel better about Derek Carr here, Jared, if he weren't on a streak of 53.4% completions over his past three games. It should have helped to get Darren Waller back, I would think, last week. And if you look at his three touchdowns, it seems like it helped. But 
he only completed 52.6%. He had 6.1 yards per attempt. That was his uh, second lowest of the year, I believe, at least one of his lowest numbers. Three sacks also last week for the first time since week eight. So it's just not an offense that you really want to bet on right now. Yeah, I, I don't think Carr's played very well this season in general. He's, he's had some spots. Um, Fantasy-wise, he's, he's finished between quarterback 10 and quarterback 15 in six of his last seven games. So he's been like a decent floor play. Maybe he'll you know, do that again this week. Um, you know, the, the Steelers passed the 23rd in football outsiders DVOA over the past five weeks. So it's a doable matchup, but um, this is another cold game with some wind. And like you said, 39 point over under the Raiders have an 18 point implied total. Like it's not, not something I'm super interested in. What would you do between Trevor Lawrence and Derek Carr? I play Lawrence like cars implied total is less than a point higher. I'm just going to you know go with a guy who's been playing much better lately. I think that would be my lean as well. And, you know, per, maybe it's biased just because two weeks ago, I thought that Derek Carr was a strong play against the Rams defense that favors passing over running. And he was absolutely terrible in that game. Yep. Yep. On the Pittsburgh side of this, Najee Harris is an easy volume bet. Did not practice Wednesday, but played through this hip issue last week. So I think it's just a matter of managing him through the practice week. I wouldn't yep. worry too much about his availability. And otherwise, it's really just Deontay Johnson, right? Yeah, Najee, by the way, has looked really good to me these past few weeks. I do think that um, foot, it was a foot, right? Um, I think that was an issue early on this season. You know, Harris's volume still isn't you know, where we thought it might be this summer, but you know, he's getting you know, 15 to 20 carries per game. Yeah, so Deontay um, is probably one guy who'd rather have Mitchell Trubisky under center because his target shares have been huge with Trubisky. Um, 45% target share last week after a 32% target share in – Trubisky's first three starts to open the season, 23% target share for Deontay Johnson in Kenny Pickett's eight starts. So um, he's uh, Deontay's back to like low end wide receiver three territory for me. The matchup's good, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't bank on the volume you got from Deontay last week. I think that his floor is certainly higher than Marquise Goodwin's, but I think Marquise Goodwin beats yep. Deontay Johnson on ceiling this week. I agree. Pat Fryermuth down to 15th in our tight end rankings, which makes me kind of sad because he, I thought he was one of those guys that we could just rely on. I, he hasn't been for a while now. Yeah. I am wondering if we should bump him up um, because he didn't see a target last week, which is obviously scary. Um, but his route rate was back up to 70%, which is decent. It had been like the mid fifties. He's also been a full go in practice this week after I think he only got in one practice all last week. And it was a limited one on Friday. I want to say, um, so it seems like he's healthier. So I, I think he should probably be at least a few spots higher. Like I would still play the Dolan Schultz, the Dallas Goddard, or Hawk, but I think he probably belongs in that next tier. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that it's, we've talked about, it. it's a position that's so bad that somebody with really any positivity to him, you have to kind of rank at least around starter territory. Yep, exactly. So make sure to check the updated projections, especially on the team Intel page. Cause a lot of these, you know, we, we mentioned who's higher than whom, but it could be different if you look at your specific scoring system. So make right. sure you check your team Intel page on DraftSharks.com as opposed to just looking at the rankings or frankly, even just taking what I say on here. Cause I could answer a question while we're talking on the podcast and it could be different than what our rankings say sometimes by quite a bit. I try to stick <laughs> close to it, but you know, if I'm answering on the fly, it's not necessarily going to match up with what we collectively think for the week. Totally. 
Green Bay at Miami Sunday at 1 p.m. Dolphins by three and a half for this one over under 49 and a half. And these Packers have been a run favoring offense as well as a run encouraging defense. Looking at Timmy Hernandez's weekly pass rate over expected article on DraftSharks.com, the offense 12th in rush rate over expected, the defense fifth in rush rate over expected over the past four weeks. So we could really get a lot of running in this game. We could. And um, I, I, I like the running backs. I mean, I think Aaron Jones is a must start. I think Raheem Moster is a nice RB two play. You know, we're, we're expecting Jeff Wilson back this week. We'll see how that goes over the next couple of days. He was limited in Wednesday's practice. Mike McDaniel made it seem like early in the week that he's probably going to be back. Now, I, I would still expect Mostert to lead the backfield after how good he was against the Bills. But um, I think we're probably back to like a 60 40 split, something like that. Yeah. And so that's the thing is I think Mostert is the most important decision in this game and really an important decision on the week based on who you're deciding on at running back. So I think it's, this is the way I would break down deciding whether to start Raheem Mostert. The all, these are all of the possibilities. And especially as you're looking at maybe either Mostert or Travis Etienne tonight um, could be the first decision. So the possibilities for Mostert are one, there's no Jeff Wilson jr. For the game. And he takes all of the carries Two, um, Jeff Wilson does return. Mostert still leads. Jeff Wilson follows. Three, there's an even split in playing time and opportunities between them. And four, Wilson leads. Mostert follows. I would personally cross that one out as a possibility because why take the guy who just ran for over 100 yards at Buffalo Mm -hmm. last week and play him behind the guy that's somewhere less than 100% with a hip issue? So for me, the possibilities are Mostert leading, um, by a lot, Mostert leading by a little and an even split. And in this matchup against the league's worst run defense by DVOA, I'd rather go ahead and, and chase that upside version of Mostert rather than be scared of anything, because I think even the downside here is a decent number of carries and a shot to score. Yeah, I mean, again, I think Miami's going to go into the game with the plan of Mostert leading the way, but I also I think they're flexible enough where if Wilson gets, gets going that, you know, they might ride it. I mean, Mostert in his you know, four games with Jeff Wilson prior, you know, his four games with Jeff Wilson, 11, seven, eight, and nine carries. Like, I think, you know, that's within their range. Um, and even then, you know, I think you'd be okay because I do love the matchup. Packers have been horrible. Most of it looked awesome last week. We know he has the big playability. Um, you know, he also doesn't do a whole lot in the passing game either. So I, I, know, I don't know. I think he's an RB2. If, if Wilson sits, uh, most of it becomes like an RB1. I think he'd, you know, kind of crack that, you know, RB12 kind of territory in the rankings. Um, So we'll see. We'll have a better idea on Wilson by Friday. Yep. I would say further context to that split between them, though. We had that back and forth game with Chicago. We had losses to San Francisco and the Chargers mixed in. So that certainly hurt the overall run rate. I would expect things to go a little bit more positively for Miami in this one. And, you know, with Tua Tagovailoa coming off three of his worst outings of the year by PFF grading, maybe that's a little bit further motivation for Miami to start out at least more balanced on offense trying to use that run game against a defense that's allowing it could be um green bay's past defense hasn't been good lately either though um they're 21st in dvoa over the last five weeks they've allowed Dak prescott ryan Tannehill, jalen hurts and justin fields to all finish as top 11 fantasy quarterbacks um you know, miami has the second highest implied total on the week at 26.5 points so i i, I feel good about the passing game in this spot too on the Green Bay side, Aaron Rodgers, fine matchup, but the ceiling just has not been there for him this yeah. season. One game of 20 fantasy points, 23rd among quarterbacks in points per game, right behind Mar- Marcus Mariota and Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of into Rodgers this week. Um, like, I, I'm going I'm to play him on the um, DFS late. I, I know, I know yeah. you're not. I, I, I'd have him at least one spot higher in our ranking. So, don't have to worry about weather in this game. Um, you know, it has one of the highest – it has the highest over-under on the week, right? Um, the Packers have a decent 22-and-a-half point implied total. It's, it's you know, volume's been the problem for Rodgers, like like you said, Matt. Um, the, the, the Packers do want to be a run-leaning offense, and I'm sure they're going to go into – this game with the same plan, but there's definitely a chance that the Packers fall behind in this game and have to throw the ball. Miami too, by the way, they, they are third and pass rate over expected against. So teams have been leaning pass against them. I'm not sure the Packers are going to do that, but there's at least a chance. No, there's not. Um, the, I think the only chance that the passing volume picks up in this game is if green Bay falls significantly behind, because I just don't yep. think this is an offense that wants to throw the ball that much. And it's not an offense that should throw the ball that much, but you know, in addition to having an aging quarterback, he is still playing through that thumb fracture, which has at times, um, had him not look very good. We've already had two games. The only two games actually where Aaron Rodgers threw 40 passes this year, each ended with one touchdown. And one of them ended with 246 yards. So it's just it's just a matter of no ceiling for me here. So I assume you would not play Rodgers over Trevor Lawrence tonight? I would not. And I would play Derek Carr probably over Aaron Rodgers. We'll see as we get closer to the weekend. That's one of those coin flip ones for me. But I'd play Jared Goff yeah. over him. And I, I, Trevor Lawrence is, is bugging me because I, I really wish that we didn't have the weather factor. If there weren't that, I would easily be playing him and that's where you know overrating or underrating the weather scares me i don't want to overrate it but i also don't want to underrate it if i turn on that game and it's just sloppy and he finishes it with 180 yards because nobody's able to actually successfully throw and they still win the game like you know 17 to 14 it's like well i guess we should have seen this coming well, it's a, it's a primetime game. We can watch the pregame show, which which we will. We'll see exactly how bad it looks, and we, we'll update our projections leading right up to kickoff. But I would play Rodgers over Lawrence, Goff, and Carr this week. I, gu- I guess Rodgers probably beats Lawrence on floor because of the weather factor. I'm definitely not playing him over those other guys that all easily beat him on ceiling, though. In the backfield, Aaron Jones is obvious. I would actually play A.J. Dillon a little bit higher than where we have him as well. Dolphins D is tougher on the run than the pass, but like we were just talking about, I don't think this is an offense that will say, all right, we'll throw the ball more. I think they're going to run it a lot. Like last week, for example, they had the same kind of matchup against the Rams, who are much tougher on the run than the pass. We had 36 combined running back touches versus 30 pass attempts. I know the difference here is that now they're playing an opponent that can actually score points. Right. And I certainly think that'll impact it. So I'm not excited about AJ Dillon, but I'd play him over. Like I would not play Zonovan Knight tonight over AJ Dillon. I would not play Latavius Murray over AJ Dillon. Yep. I was looking at the rankings. I'd play Dillon over those two as well. So we can adjust that. Uh, you know, that game on Monday night really was setting up as a, a big eight. I mean, he scored two touchdowns. It was a big AJ Dillon game, but it would have been even bigger if he hadn't left um, for the fourth quarter to get checked for a concussion. Dillon actually had matched Aaron Jones with 11 carries at that point when he exited. Um, now, I think, as you said, this, this game might be more of an Aaron Jones game if the Packers do end up falling behind. So that's kind of the risk with AJ Dillon. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think he, he he's a better play than Knight tonight he's a better play than Latavius Murray he, he's like in RB3 range and that's in, you know that's in PPR he's going to be even higher than that in half PPR or non-PPR yeah I feel like it's I'm trying to check the numbers to confirm it but I feel like it's been a while since we got one of those AJ Dillon just disappeared today games yeah he's been around like 10 carries I think for the past month or so mm-hmm. yeah so again not excited but somebody that I would be okay with playing in a running back slot anything else yeah. from that game 
No, um, I think Christian Watson remains a strong play. Um, Alan Lazard's the guy I'm worried about. Um, he has six or fewer targets in four of his last five games. Now, like Christian Watson's kind of emerged as the clear top guy here. Uh, I think Lazard's like a, the clear number two at this point. So he's like a, a fringy wide receiver three at this point. I think that's, I, I think we're even being too fair to him in our rankings right now. Like I would easily play. I'm seeing who is actually ahead of him right now. So he is behind Marquise Goodwin. I actually succeeded in getting him, getting Marquise Goodwin ahead of Alan Lazard. But like even at wide receiver 36, Alan Lazard is not somebody that jumps out to me as an upside play, Uh, especially they got Romeo Dobbs back last game and he was involved. And so in a situation now where we can't necessarily say dominant number one, clear number two, and this guy's third, like Christian Watson's the only one among those three that I would be scared to not use at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, for me, Lazard's like wide receiver 36, just because I kind of like the spot for the Packers passing game that kind of elevates him for me a little bit. Yeah, I think that's our difference is you're excited about the Packers passing game. And I think that there's nothing to get excited about besides Christian Watson. That's it. Denver at the Rams Sunday at 430 in a spotlight game that absolutely should not be Broncos by two and a half over under of 36 and a half and Rams. This is how bad it's gotten for you. I was told that Baker Mayfield brought magic with them to the team. They're two and a half point underdogs at home to these Broncos. This game is one to only reluctantly play a couple of guys. 36 and a half point over under in a, you know, dome game. No, no weather concerns. It's just how bad these two. With Russell Wilson involved too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Russell Wilson is on track to return. I don't know if that's good news or not. I think uh, one of the big stories on Denver side is Cortland Sutton potentially back this week. He was limited in, Wednesday's practice. So we'll see how he progresses that, that obviously knock Jerry Judy already has knocked him down our rankings a little bit. Sutton in seven healthy games with Russell Wilson this season, Cortland Sutton has averaged 7.6 targets, Jerry Judy, just 6.1. Now I would still rather play Judy this week. Just he's, he's been good for the past few weeks now. And, you know, he's the healthier guy, Um, but I think Sutton's return definitely knocks Judy down. Yeah, it hurts, but Judy has been the target leader between them when the two of them play together. So uh, Judy's the reluctant play from that side. Cam Akers is the uh, crap. I need a running back play from the Rams side. And otherwise yeah. I've, I'm trying to forget everybody's names. Yeah. I mean, uh, Latavius Murray is still in play too, coming off that massive game. Obviously he did lose a lot of passing game work to Marlon Mack last week. So, you know, Murray's almost like a two down grinder at this point on a bad offense. Like, like we said, the Broncos are favorites in this game. Like it should stay close enough where they can get Murray, his 15 plus carries. So that puts him in play as a running back three, same, 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 same kind of deal with Cam Akers. Um, he played 76% of the Rams offensive snaps in that Packers game. That was a season high for him. It was the second highest snap rate we've seen from any Rams running back this season. So maybe the Rams are ready to just kind of let Akers be the guy down the stretch. Even that doesn't make him exciting, but you know, if we can count on, 15 to 18 touches would at least, you know, make him uh, an RB three option. Yeah, I agree with all that. And, you know, like I said, Latavius Murray should be in for volume here, but I don't think it's going to be efficient against a defense that plays the run. Well, so if 18 carries for 38 yards helps you, then uh, go for it. (laughs) Tampa Bay at Arizona on Sunday night bucks by seven and a half over under a 40 and a half. It's a great spot for whatever the Bucks want to do offensively. Arizona's bad at everything at this point. They're probably in the giving up phase of the season at this point as well. Yeah. The Bucks, of course, have wanted to pass the ball a lot more than they've wanted to run it this season. I wonder whether we get another game like they had against Seattle in Germany where they suddenly ran the ball more. But 
that would be you can't put it beyond the I wonder if this happens because all the other evidence is they would rather still lean past. Yeah, it's possible. I don't I wouldn't consider it likely, even if it does. I think, you know, Brady should be efficient enough in this matchup to be okay. The Cardinals 26th and in football outsiders pass defense DVOA over the last five weeks. The Bucks also just like, this is like narrative, but they, they need a like game to like get going, like put 30 points on the board, you know, get some confidence in this offense. This is definitely a spot for that. This is another game where we have no weather concerns. Um, you know, the Bucks have a 24, 24 point implied total. Um, so I do think Brady is a um, pretty, he, he's, he's, you know, higher in our rankings than he's been in a while just because of this spot and because of the rest of this week. Yeah, like maybe they run a little bit more in this one, but you know that Tom Brady's going to be like, i got to get this going. I've coming off of maybe maybe my two worst games of the year. I'm ready to get back on track before the playoffs. That offense looked awesome in the first half last week, and I, Tony Romo even said it was the best half that he thinks they played all year, and then the second half was was a disaster, so. Yeah, yeah, it should have been a great game for him. Then he was like, oh, I'm going to start giving the ball up like it's Halloween. <laughs> yep. Bucks running backs, though, you know, all that said about Tom Brady, it's a it's a solid spot to play either of these guys, even with a passing yeah. game. We should get plenty of touches for both of these running backs and a chance that yeah. each one scores. Yeah, Cardinals have allowed 5.4 yards per carry through running backs over the past five weeks. They're 28th in adjusted points allowed to running backs on the season. Leonard Fournette ended up playing a lot more snaps and running a lot more routes than Rashad White. Last week, head coach Todd Bowles said afterwards that it wasn't by design. It was just kind of how it played out. Um, so I, I'm still kind of treating this as, as pretty close to a 50-50 split at this point. On the Arizona side, absolutely nothing but James Conner for me. I would try yeah. to sit DeAndre Hopkins this week. It's scary if you read his name when you're making that decision, but yeah. the quarterback is Trace McSorley. So like, what are you really missing by taking a shot on you know anybody that's down in wide receiver three range versus DeAndre Hopkins? To me the risk is that you sit something like a six catch for 50 yards game. Yep. I'm with you. I would love to even rank Hopkins lower than we have him, but there's just, you know, so many other guys yeah. with issues too. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm with you generally that I would try not to use him if possible. There's nothing you can point to with Trace McSorley that t- says he's an NFL caliber quarterback. Um, he, he wasn't even efficient at Penn state. So I, I think this passing game is going to go nowhere. Yeah, he was Tyler Huntley before Tyler Huntley in Baltimore, and the Ravens were like, nah, you're not good enough at quarterback to be our guy here. We're going to get somebody else. So that's how good he is. He's he's not a good passer. He's got, I think, a 46% career completion rate. So uh, this is a spot, like, you know, we talked, when we were talking about Goodwin, we were talking about not wanting to risk playing him over somebody established who's been delivering for you all season that's why I think it's it's important to look at the very specific circumstances of these two players. And I think that you're really not risking a whole lot by sitting DeAndre Hopkins for Goodwin. And what you are chasing is really a, a high ceiling for the situation that got that Goodwin's in this week. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not afraid to sit DeAndre Hopkins. All right. We're we're achieving stuff here, folks. Make sure you check tomorrow just to see how high I've managed to get Marquise Goodwin in the rankings for the week. Anything else from this game? Nope. Chargers at Indianapolis on Monday night to wrap things up. Chargers by five over under 46. Welcome spot for points here. The Colts run defense has been a bit more up and down lately, but it's coming off a strong DVOA rating again against the Vikings. So I think all we really need to know about it is it's at least still strong enough that it's not going to encourage rushing for a Chargers offense that doesn't really want to run the ball in the first place. Uh, did you watch last week's game? Though? I did. No, actually, no, I didn't see that game, but I did see the numbers. 
Oh well, yeah, they, I mean they they ended, Herbert ended up throwing it enough, but they did not open that game pass heavy. They had Josh Kelly with like five carries on their first drive. It was insane. I I I so hope the Chargers get a new offensive coordinator this offseason. I, I still think Herbert can do a lot more than he's shown us lately. Yeah, uh, no, nothing surprising on this Chargers side. I think Justin Herbert is, is a strong play despite the disappointing game last week. And same goes for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Yes, I agree. Gerald Everett's fine. Thanks to that being a bad position yeah. um, on the Colts side. I'm not altering anything for Matt Ryan switching to Nick Foles here. I mean, we'll see what Nick Foles has, but this is the second mm-hmm. time that they've benched Matt Ryan for a not good quarterback this year. And it's because Matt Ryan has been terrible. So I guess the uncertainty hurts a guy like Michael Pittman, but I can't downgrade yeah. him for a quarterback that at least has the chance to be better than what we've been getting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think there's a decent chance, maybe a good chance that Foles is the Colts' best quarterback, and he he has been this whole season. We just haven't seen him for whatever reason. I think it's probable that we see more deep shots from the Colts. I mean, Matt Ryan did none of that. Sam Ellinger did a little bit of it, but, you know, Foles has an arm. He can push it downfield. I don't know what that means exactly. Like, it'd theoretically be good for Alec Pierce, but there's no way I'm trusting Alec Pierce in a a Week 16 lineup. Maybe we see Michael Pittman get more downfield shots. I would trust – you know, Michael Pittman, between both quarterbacks, Ryan and Allinger, has remained you know the pretty clear lead top guy in this passing game. So I think you're you're still going to get you know a 25-ish percent target share out of Michael Pittman. So I think he, he's someone you can stick with in starting lineups. And other than that, um, I would not want to touch this passing game. I agree. And frankly, the run game, I don't really want to touch either. I mean, yeah. we've got so we talked about the uncertainty of work split with Miami, but that's an effective backfield in a good offense in a good matchup. The chargers are a good rushing matchup, but neither Deion Jackson nor Zach Moss is that good. I don't know who exactly is going to lead the backfield. I don't know how the game flow is going to go and how much rushing it's going to support. So this is a spot where I'm not scared of missing a huge Zach Moss game or a huge Deion Jackson game. So I'd rather just be out if I can help it. Yeah, the Colts also elevated Jordan Wilkins from the practice squad, who you know has experience in this offense. Wilkins actually averaged 4.9 yards per carry for his career on 201 carries. So you know, he's a capable back. I wouldn't be surprised if this is just a three-man committee on Monday night. Um, you know, Zach Moss did easily lead the way in snaps and carries last week. That was in you know heavy positive game script for a lot of that game. The Colts obviously playing with a big lead. So like I I, I would still think it will be more Deion Jackson if the Colts end up playing from behind in this game. But point is, we don't know how, what it's going to look like. And like you said, you're not you know missing out on a big ceiling with, with, with any of these guys, I don't think. Yes, I agree. So anything else from that game? Nope. That's going to do it for this week 16 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can see our full rankings as well as your team Intel page to see exactly who we'd recommend for your starting lineup. Check back tomorrow on each of those pages just to see how many players I talked Jared into moving up or down the rankings. We will be back tomorrow with our usual DFS show as well as week two of our DFS draft show, which we debuted last Friday. If you draft weekly teams on either underdog or sleeper, you're going to want to check that one out. If you haven't done it yet, check out the show. We'll talk to you about exactly how we do it on either of those sites. And either way, you can hit the link at the bottom of this podcast page to get some free money to play with on either of those sites or both if you're into it. For Jared Small and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.